Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom, previously known as The Last Symptom of Borderline Personality Disorder. We no longer focus only on borderline personality disorder here because we broadened the focus to emotional unhealth in general. Unhealth being a term that I've coined and that I refuse to allow spell checkers to correct me on. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of this program. Be sure to visit thelastsymptom.com to take advantage of my free resources there. And if you'd like to support my overall body of work, please do so while you're at thelastsymptom.com. I also make myself available for one-on-one conversations, and that can be scheduled right from thelastsymptom.com. As I'm sitting here recording this episode of the show, a notice has just come across my phone. I'm going to read it to you. And as I do, I want you to think about what principles and laws that we've discussed on the show applies here. The notice on my telephone says this. Breaking news. Judge rules that 15-year-old murder suspect to be tried as a juvenile, not adult. Think about what we've talked about in the past that applies in this situation. Breaking news. Judge rules that 15-year-old murder suspect to be tried as a juvenile, not adult. The first thing that come to my mind is our discussions in the past about how you are not responsible for anything in your childhood as long as you are a dependent. Rather, the reality is that it's your parents who are responsible for all that stuff. You see the folks who were responsible for you. And remember, I used the example of my dog. If I take him for a walk around the neighborhood and he ends up biting one of my neighbors, it's not my dog who is responsible for that happening. Even though he's the one who did it, he's not responsible for the neighbor being bit. It's me I'm the responsible party. I am the one who's going to be held accountable, not the dog. The responsible party literally means that I am responsible for whatever that dog does or doesn't do, not the dog. Now, we're talking about principles of responsibility 
who that inherently belongs to, and capacity. Who has the capacity to manage that responsibility? Right? My dog does not have the capacity to manage that responsibility for himself. It means that he couldn't do it even if he wanted to. He he lacks that capacity. So when we say that children are dependents, it literally means that they're not responsible for their own physical, mental, or emotional needs. They aren't even capable of appropriately fulfilling those needs on their own for themselves, even if they wanted to. Likewise, they're not responsible for anything they do or fail to do during this period of development as long as they are dependents. Because being a dependent means that they don't possess the capacity to appropriately navigate life on their own, even if they wanted to, which includes the capacity to make the best decisions or to perceive life in the most accurate, healthy ways. Rather, it is the adult caregivers who inherently, by universal default, possess this responsibility, whether they like it or not, or even if they recognize that they own this responsibility or not. Because they are independent free agents who do possess the capacity to most appropriately manage this responsibility. Now notice, I'm not saying that they have the ability to most appropriately manage this responsibility, or that they even recognize that this responsibility belongs to them. That's not the issue. The issue is whether or not they have the capacity to appropriately manage this responsibility and who the responsibility inherently belongs to. You know, when we talk about something inherently belonging to a person, it's not a matter of whether you want it to be your responsibility or not, or even if you recognize it. It is your responsibility, no matter what. It just is. So as I've been talking to people here lately, I've been trying to help them make a distinction between blame and responsibility. In our work here, in Toward Authentic Recovery, we're not playing a blame game. Blame's got little to do with it. It's recognizing where responsibility lies or lay in the past, recognizing that. That's the work that we're involved in, recognizing where responsibility lay. So it's not a matter of blame. It's a matter of seeing things for what they truly are. Now, the law isn't perfect on this issue, because if it were, instead of the child murderer simply being tried as a juvenile, his parents, the one who carry the responsibility for all the child's actions and failures, would be tried for murder. Maybe one of these days, the law will recognize the balance of this reality and adjust accordingly. That'll be a good day. You'll start seeing real justice the day that the law recognizes this and makes their adjustments. But for now, the point of me bringing this up, somewhat spontaneously based on this notice coming across my phone, is that I've explained to you how in your recovery work, you can look back at the weight of any shame you're carrying, 
which you probably confuse this shame for guilt, but it's shame, most likely. You can look back, recognize the weight of this shame, of anything that happened in your past while you were still a dependent child, and you can simply let the weight of those things go. And that allows you to focus on the things that you are responsible for, which is anything that you've done or failed to do since you've been an adult-free agent. So, what do we base this, this idea that you can just reject or unload any of the weight of these past things? Well, it's based on the law of responsibility, as we've already said. Who was inherently responsible for you as long as you were a dependent, which includes anything you did or didn't do, or anything you experienced? Who inherently owned the responsibility for any of those things? Was it you? We know it wasn't you, because you can't be responsible for anything you are incapable of managing. You know, you look at a big uh, company. The person working in the mailroom does not answer for the failures of the CEO, right? The company loses $14 billion that year. The CEO takes responsibility for that, right? And the board of the company. So make it a regular habit of identifying the weight of anything you're carrying around and determining who inherently owned responsibility over you during that time. If the responsibility did not inherently belong to you, then the burdens from that time are not and never were yours to carry. You've only been fully inherently responsible for anything involving you since the stage of life where you develop the capacities needed to be able to appropriately manage your life. You can't be held responsible for anything that happened before you developed these capacities. So the whole definition of a dependent person means that they depend on an adult who has developed these capacities. Independent means that you've developed these capacities and now the reality is that you are not dependent on anybody. Lots of people who have developed into independent adults don't recognize this, and they still see themselves as dependent. But that's not the reality of the thing. That's just the way they're viewing the matter. The reality is that they have the capacities to take care of their own needs, whether they recognize it or not. That's independent versus dependent, which of course helps us determine where Inherent responsibility lies. Well, today's show was meant to be the big announcement regarding the specifics of the upcoming Last Symptom Fundamental course. And I've been talking about this now for for months, ever since June, I think. So I know a lot of folks are getting impatient, and I just want you to know that I'm ready to roll out the details for it. I intended to do that in this episode, but I have to push it back one more week. Let's move on now. Some questions and answers. Question. Brian, you say shame is never constructive. So does this mean 
that if I'm sitting at home and not doing much while the whole world is getting ahead, that I shouldn't feel bad about this? About allowing my potential to go to waste? Good question. Here's the answer. Feeling bad about things is okay. Feeling bad about yourself is not okay. So no, you should not feel bad about yourself if you're sitting around rotting away on your couch. You should feel bad about what you're not doing. When you feel bad about things, you can change those things. When you feel bad about yourself, you can't change who you are. So it is pointless and non-constructive always. Shame is not feeling bad about a thing. It's feeling bad about oneself. So yes, shame must always be rejected. Always. It's never constructive. No matter what you're doing or failing to do, it's not because of who you are. It's just normal human stuff that all people deal with and can be done differently. It's how we learn and make adjustments through life. Here's the next question. It goes like this. The past few days have been kind of depressing. I've lost some of the hope that I had gained upon finding the last symptom. Due to interpersonal communication which has been very stressful lately. For example, a sister of my deceased grandma was visiting. She started talking about the time my grandma was dying. It took several months, and my dad took her home from the hospital to take care of her. I barely visited my grandma, and I myself felt very ashamed for that for a long time. I told her sister it was hard for me to see my grandma suffering and being in so much pain, and that I was young back then. She told me... I was a teenager, and that it was no excuse. My grandma wasn't even a very good person. She was very emotionally cold, and when I did visit her while she was ill, she told me out of nowhere I only cared about guys, and that was basically our whole relationship summed up. During this conversation with her sister, I wasn't really able to reason with myself at that moment, So I started shaking, and then I left the situation. It took about two hours for me to calm down. Then there was a family gathering and some other stressful moments. All of this in the last few days. I don't want to give up completely, but I can't seem to snap out of that unmotivated state of mind. I went through every episode of The Last Symptom Podcast and feel overwhelmed with all the recent knowledge and I think I overcomplicate it. Any advice? Here's my answer. What I see here in this story is that the same unhealthy influences which educated you in improper and unhealthy distorted perspectives as a little girl are still working on you. They're still influencing you. And as an independent, adult-free agent, you've chosen to allow these people to continue poisoning you. Parents 
uncles, aunts, grandparents, they all are operating on the same false perspectives of life. The comment that your granny's sister said to you is a shaming message, not a guilt message. It's a shaming message. And in fact, the, the thing that your grandmother did when you did visit her while she was sick, your grandmother was sending you a shaming message. In other words, these two women wanted you to feel bad about yourself. That's what they were trying to do. That's what they were communicating to you. Hey, feel bad about yourself. How sick is that? And all the issues you're trying to escape are already rooted in shame, that is, in feeling bad about yourself. The best thing to do is to keep distance between yourself and these people while you work to identify and eliminate shame entirely out of your system. As I've said in the past, in my own circumstances, I knew I would have to severely limit any contact with most of my family, especially in the early stages of my work, because it would have been too easy for them to drag me back in to the same distorted, twisted ways of thinking that I had already been used to for nearly 40 years. And those distorted, twisted ways of thinking are very subtle in many ways. So it can be very hard to escape it in the first place, and then it can be very hard to not slip back into it in the early days of recovery. So we're trying to get you to a place where you are content with your own decisions. And your decisions only have to make sense to you. They only have to make sense to you. Nobody else who's ever lived ever has to agree with them. Only you. And if you're content with your reasons, then nobody will be able to say a thing to rob you of your contentment with yourself and your decisions and your reasons for your decisions. You see, your decisions don't have to make sense to unhealthy people. And nobody else on the planet has to approve of them. There's only one person they have to make sense to and only one person who has to approve of them. That's you. Only you. So practice recognizing shaming messages and attitudes from the moment they begin the messages that are slightly intended to make you feel bad about yourself and practice rejecting that immediately. Also, practice removing yourself from those influences, as you did in this case, but I think you waited too long. You waited until it was already affecting you to the point that you were shaking. We want you to recognize it before it affects you and remove yourself from that environment. Counteract it with your mental work, recognizing it for what it is and rejecting it. So, this might even mean getting up and walking away without a word. Allowing ourselves to be exposed to that poison serves no constructive purpose whatsoever.
It serves no positive purpose. And anything that does not serve a positive, constructive purpose can be rejected, must be rejected. We can keep ourselves clear of it. Hang in there. Keep working. If you do, there will come a time when nobody will be able to have this same type of effect on you again. One other thing I want to address on this topic is that some people are stuck with their families for financial reasons, cultural reasons, whatever. In your case, when we talk about putting distance between ourselves and these people and their influence, if you're stuck living with them, this distance that you put between you and them can be emotional distance. So you might be stuck in the same house, but you're doing the same good work, right? And you can put emotional distance between you and them so that the effect that they have, the effect and the influence that they have over you is weakened and less powerful. Let's go to the next question. This person says, I've been experiencing something new lately and I'm not sure what to make of it. I used to go out of my way to get positive feedback from other people, like talking myself up and constantly posting accomplishments for accolades. Now I've noticed that I don't do this anymore. But I'm not generating positive or negative feedback for myself either. It's like a void almost. I thought that it would have been a good thing, but I don't think it is. Is this the beginning of what could be a good thing? Or is it a symptom of depression? I'm not really sure. Here's the answer. Dear so-and-so, there are natural transitions. This is where patience with yourself and with the natural progression of things will come in handy. I personally remember periods where I achieved major adjustments on my perspective. But then... I experienced a period of void or drifting where I really had no new established behaviors or solid direction to take the place of my old way of doing things. But the old way of doing things didn't come naturally to me anymore either because my new awareness of where those reactions and behaviors had been coming from had now made those behaviors and reactions obsolete. This is the part of recovery where you get to experiment with new, positive, and constructive perspectives and naturally occurring reactions. It's a healthy period of mindfulness. So when I read this question that you've sent me, I see healthy, positive movement in the right direction. Hang in there. Ladies and gents, I thank you for the time you've spent with me today. That's all I have for this particular episode. I hope it afforded you some insights and that some of these things touch on issues that you are personally currently analyzing and thinking about. And if not, I hope they've given you something to think about. Let me remind you once more to visit thelastsymptom.com if you'd like to support my overall body of work, which includes this weekly podcast. That would be appreciated and you can do it right from the site. Also, if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one conversation with me, you can do that right from thelastsymptom.com, 
and I'll do my bestest to help you figure some things out. And here we are again at the encouraging finale. In my culture, grits are a common breakfast food made of cornmeal. But we also use the word grits in common slang expressions to mean one's ass or their posterior. When I was a kid, my family and I were leaving my grandparents' house, about to drive away on a long trip. I was sitting in the back seat of the car, waiting for my parents to finish talking to my papaw, when my young cousin Jay comes sauntering by. He was only about four years old at the time and covered in dirt and grass stains from living the rough and tumble life of a country boy. I leaned out the window and I said, so long Jay, I love you. I love you too, my little ornery hellion of a cousin says. Then he stopped and seemed to think about it for a second. And then he turned back to me as if he had not finished his thought. I love you too, he says. Kiss my grits. still say this to each other. I love you, cuz. Now kiss my grits. 